It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Wednesday, December the 19th, and as always, I am joined by my good friend Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee. Good afternoon and happy holidays, my friend. Hey, happy holidays. This is a holiday edition of Knox Talk, no doubt. It is a holiday edition. We're going to talk about the playoffs. We're going to rant a little bit, or I am, um, and then Brandon's going to either nod or argue with me vociferously, and then we're going to talk a little bit about bowl season, and I think we have a very practical solution to what is an absolute mess right now with the bowls in the current state of college football. So first we'll go with the playoffs, buddy. Um, I'm, I will just have a conversation here because I know you may not agree with everything I have. Um, and I am obviously personally uh, hurt by this mess as a seminal, but I think it's bigger than that. As I have traveled the country here in the last two to three weeks, uh, I have not heard a whole bunch of people in college football that have not commented to me that this was really, really bad for college football, what the uh, playoff committee decided to do here. And uh, it just feels like, forget about Florida State for a second, it feels like they cheated the system, they cheated players, they cheated coaches, uh, and they did it, and they just did something that's a disservice to all of college football, which ties into the anger with NIL and uh and the portal what do you feel yeah and you know if you take a step back and you look at what is the modern day college football playoff scenario we're probably fortunate that this scenario has not played out as of yet or i should say the committee's fortunate that it hadn't played out like this before um you've got five power five conferences in today's world and there are four positions available in the playoffs and probably hindsight's 2020. Um, but somehow that original playoff probably ended up ne- needed to be enlarged just for this scenario, if and when it could happen. And it's happened, and it's obviously happened the last year before the playoffs are expanded. Uh, if this were next year, we would not be even be talking about this. Um, but you're right. It, it feels like nationally, both in what you read and see and then what you hear um, just moving around and from an industry standpoint, um, it, it is a, a black eye of sorts. Yeah, it is. And, and I will tell you that I, you know, the argument that if it was 12, it would have solved. Um, here's, here's my argument against that, which I think is absolute garbage, uh, is that this year, the top 12 teams right now ranked today, uh, 11 of those 12 are either in the Big Ten or the SEC are going to be next year, 11 of 12. And so this argument that, you know, hey, you won the ACC, you would have made it in. Uh, well, next year, that ACC winner, they might be an 11 or 12 and fighting for fighting for space because of the way they treated um, the ACC like a group of five this year. But I'm going to go backwards right now to where my anger kind of kind of centered. And, and I because to me, again, I it, yes, I took it personally, but I think it's bigger than that. You know, when Florida State beat Miami, um, you know, beginning in November, it was a huge win, you know, rival win, yada, yada. And then right after that win happened, the SEC very smartly realized at that moment that Georgia was number one, but that the next closest SEC team was Alabama at 12 or 13 at the time. And they had to wake up right at that moment and said, holy crap, 
if the West wins the championship in the SEC, we're in trouble making the playoff. They realized on November 1st that they were in danger because of this unique year where the SEC was down a little bit in terms of the top of the conference. And so they did what they should do. The SEC basically went to their folks that are paid and on the market and said, okay, ESPN, we need a narrative. And so ESPN, starting on November 1st, started attacking Washington and Florida State and started using words like eye test and, you know, deserving and best and brand new terms that we haven't been uh, fortunate enough to hear since 2014 when Florida State was was punished for game control for an entire season as a re, as a as a returning uh, undefeated national champion. And so we beat Miami, I test Washington, I test. Uh, we beat Pittsburgh by 20 something on the road. I test came out. Uh, Washington, uh, the, the, the narrative around Washington was kind of muted a little bit because the whole country thought that Washington was going to lose to either Oregon State or Oregon. And so they kind of thought that would take care of itself. Uh, and so that was that one was kind of solved by the by the wrong uh, kind of supposition. And then when Jordan got hurt, that was the entire narrative. It all changed to, hey, let's let's focus on an injury for the first time ever in the history of college football. So my point in all this is that the SEC was smart enough to know on November 1st they needed to have a narrative. ESPN fed that narrative. All that is fine. I actually don't mind any of that. I think that's smart. I think that's politics. And I think it's the right way to do it. If I was the SEC is a powerful conference, they use their partners to spread the message. Where I lost it and where I really was disappointed personally was that all of those pundits, all of those talking heads, I believed all my life that those talking heads were fine but the 13 people in the room were going to make the right decision. And what really kind of hurt me as a fan of college football is that all the talking was okay. I don't mind it. They're paid to say what they're going to say. Nothing bothers me. But at the end of the day, I believed those 13 people in the room were going to do what they'd always done and precedent was going to take forward. And when it didn't go forward, that's when I lost faith in college football, Brandon. Let me, let me ask you this question. Had the committee made the decision to put Florida State in – what do you think the response or outcry is for an Alabama that was left out? Well, let me say this. If they really believed, I'm going to answer it a different way. If they really believed the SEC was a conference that can't be left out, if that's what they truly believed, which is what I think the narrative was, they would have had a solution in as much as put the three undefeated teams in, move on. And then the point was, is they had three one-loss teams to compare, Georgia, Alabama, and Texas, if they right. sat there long enough and basically said, hey, forget about the talking heads, who is the most deserving team of these three one-loss teams? That's the only conversation to have. No matter who you picked there, if you picked Texas, if you picked Georgia, or you picked Alabama, based on your own personal belief system, there would have been a little bit of outcry. But college football would not have been broken. Okay? If they had picked yeah. Texas, they could have justified it and said, listen, Texas beat Alabama. Their, their loss, and or if they picked Georgia, they could have said, hey, returning national champ, undefeated until their best loss was the best loss of anybody. They could have done anything there with those three teams. Alabama won the SEC, therefore we're going to reward them. They could have done anything at four they wanted, and college football would not have been broken. But by putting in Texas and Alabama and punishing Florida State, they broke college football. And, and I don't care what you say. I don't care if they, if they listened to a narrative that had never been brought up before. And so I think if they had just put the three undefeateds in and let the world, you know, 
bitch at each other about who was best at the one loss teams. That's what we've always had before. So if they really felt like the SEC had to be in, then you make a decision between Georgia and Alabama. If you wanted to go and, and parse anything else, great, make that decision. But they broke college football by breaking precedent. And so what, what ultimately what you're saying is, yes, there would still be gnashing of teeth, but it, it may not be the severity of the conversation that you're hearing right now as far as breaking college football. Correct. And I think the whole world doesn't want a team that to be punished for doing what they were asked. You know, right. and this was a school, Florida State was a school that played two SEC teams away from home. They beat them both handily by double digits. You know, they did a very, very good, healthy LSU team by a ton. And yeah. they went undefeated and they did it with, with backups in a lot of cases. Every team's got injuries. There's not a team in the country that didn't play with backups in week 11, 12, 13, 14. Every single team played with backups. Right. Ours happened to be at some key positions, at quarterback. But that doesn't mean you couldn't compete. And the last 48 drives that were against Florida State after JT got hurt, only one, there was one touchdown, 48 drives. That defense basically said, F you, we're not letting you score. Right. You know? And so that kind of stuff is rewarded nationally on a normal basis. And the fact that they didn't reward it is why people are so angry because they saw it. But I think the, the solution is that's why people say, oh, you know, they're punishing the ACC because they didn't say 12 teams a year ago or Jim Phillips didn't step up this year and agree to have a 12-team playoff this year. None of that really matters. Why college football should be so angry right now is that the 12-team playoff is not going to solve it. If you are a group of five champion or you are an ACC champion next year, you might get in, but you might be an 11 or 12 seed, and that's a big deal. That means you're playing on the road against a two or three or four seed out of the ace, out of the SEC or the Big Ten. That's the truth. That's where we're right. headed. And that's why college football is as disturbed as they are, because the 12-team playoff doesn't solve the problem. It just extends the problem, and it shows the bias. And we've got to get around that, because the wonderful thing about college sports is what you can do at Stony Brook in baseball. And what you can do at George Mason in basketball and what you can do in gymnastics if you put together a team or an old dominion did in softball three years ago. That's right. what college sports is great. And that's why it has to be great. And that's why when you did what you did, which is to punish this team, it broke college sports. All right. So let me take it in another place. Think about all those dads out there that are raising young boys who are fans of Florida State. And if you're a dad trying to explain to your son who doesn't understand why his team didn't make it in, although they did everything they were supposed to do, they were perfect in the regular season. You just say life's not fair. Right. What's what's what what does a Norvell tell his team? That's You've right. done everything you have been asked to do. Right. And that's it, Brandon. That's ultimately it. Is And so as I was celebrating till three in the morning in Charlotte, drinking lots of British beer and being very, very happy with my life, I was among all of those dads. I was with my son, you know, talking to my son on the phone. And he's and he's basically saying, this is how it came. We were 0-4 two years ago, buddy. Two years ago, we were 0-4. And here we are going to the playoff, you know, because we believed and the kids believed and the coaches believed and the administration believed and everyone believed and they got to the end. And then to have that taken away by people that simply decided to change the rules, there's nothing to say. And that leads us to the second part of this conversation. 
The second part of this conversation is, so what happened to this Florida State team is what happened all over college football. If you are not in the Final Four right now, your team is a shell. Kids are opting out. Players yeah. are deciding not to play. Minor injuries or major injuries. They're, every team is playing in a bowl game with, at best, two-thirds of their team. Right. So the bowls have never been less relevant than they are right now. And the playoffs have done finally what we knew they were going to do a long time ago, and that is absolutely destroy the merits of a bowl game. And so I want to talk a little bit today about what I think is the solution to the bowl problem, Brandon. I'm going to run this by you. You haven't even heard this. I'm going to run okay. this by you because I think it's the right answer. Okay. So the season ends right now. The playoffs start. Great. You've got 12 teams or four teams based on the year. Okay. So next year you got 12 teams. My solution to the bowl game, because the bowls want two things. They want eyeballs on TV and they want, they want people in the stands. Right. They want it. Those are the two things the Bulls need desperately. And both of those things deliver the end result for us, which is sponsorships. And we're all right. willing to spend money when we've got those two things guaranteed. Well, my answer is this. The bowl game should be the season opener the next year. You earn your way into a bowl. And the next year, the very first game is a bowl game. So this year, if Florida State and Georgia are going to play in the Orange Bowl, they're playing in the opener next year. I know it's new players. I know it's a new situation, but you earned that the next year. That money comes to the school. And if it's the opener, the entire team is obviously going to play. Everyone's going to be excited. Every team is undefeated. The fans are going to buy tickets like they've never bought tickets before because those are exciting destinations. At the end of August, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to San Antonio. I'm going to Miami. I'm going to Detroit. Doesn't matter. Wherever I'm going, it's exciting because my team is undefeated and I'm going to buy every ticket in the building. Because though we've seen what those season opening games have done across college football, now give it 56 teams are all earned their way to playing in an opening game. Sponsors are going to love it. Tickets are sold. Eyeballs are on it. And that first weekend is going to feel like New Year's Day to college football fans. Those That first weekend from Thursday all the way through Sunday is bowl games. Holy smokes. Can, can, you, get, can you get the industry to buy into that in the sense that that becomes a very competitive week one game and therefore teams have to understand really good teams have to understand that half of that group's going to walk away with a loss after the first game of the season. So the well, narrative, I think, I think the 12 team playoff is going to solve a little of that because you don't have to go undefeated to have a successful year. And, and we are all clamoring for more power five versus power five games. And right. so this is going to give – if they, you have a loss, it's not the end of your year because a 12-team playoff is going to allow two and three loss teams to get in, especially in Power 5 conferences. And so I, I don't think you're going to have any anger about a loss coming out of it. I think the biggest situation is programming. You may have to start in week zero and have a two-week buildup in this situation where the bowl games begin August 24th and go all the way through Labor Day where maybe you have – 12 to 15 days of bowls but my god if any network fox espn all the streaming services are going to love all the programming that is going to be must-see tv for the opening of college football season in a window where you're not competing against the pros the pro right. game doesn't start because they're still in preseason you carve out those 12 to 14 days and destroy it and it makes bowl games legitimate again and it saves the bowl system and to me, that's what everyone wants. They want to say they want a reward. 
what, you still get your bowl gift. You still get to fly somewhere. You still get to wear your clothes and do all the things and go to the beach and do something for a charity that week. All those things are still possible, but the bowl system is brought back. That's my theory, Brandon. That's my, that's where I want to go. Well, and one of the big impacts of that, and you'll see it this bowl season, depending on the team, depending on the market that you're going into, some of these bowls are highly attended. Other bowls look empty stadium-wise. Yes. Uh, so the travel and the ticket sales, I think obviously for all the reasons you just said, you're talking about much, much higher attendance in a scenario like that. Um, and to that point, when you do go from four to 12 teams in the playoffs, everything that we're talking about, the relevancy of the bowl system now with just a four-team playoff is exponentially larger. And what, what's the point of me, student-athlete, playing in that game? There's really nothing for me to gain because there's no championship. It's it's more more of an exhibition than it is anything else. It's an and, exhibition. It's it's a battle of backups in a lot of cases. And it, and it and, and the coaches love the coaches love the fact they get 15 extra practices. And so maybe the coaches would push back on not being able to get postseason practices. But hey, you make the 12 team playoff, you get to practice more. Right. And they, and they also use it as a hook to have early enrollees uh try to get acclimated during the, those 15 days. Um so there is a little bit of a recruiting impact there. Um, well, let me ask you that, Brandon. So let's say this. Let's say there's no bowl game for everyone but 12 teams, okay? You know how coaches right now, your your administration, I mean, your administration and your football offices right now are upside down. NIL, right. portal, bowl, everything is a mess. Those coaches are not sleeping right now. For the, this month of December is a disaster. You think the coaches might support this more knowing that they can then focus. If they're not in the 12-team playoff, then they can focus on recruiting, finishing up, getting to December 20th, doing all those things, begin making all the visits, and maybe focusing on if NIL is still a thing in two or three years, focusing on how they have their roster management nailed down. I think they would probably welcome the lack of practice at this point to do all the other things with the calendar the way it is. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think definitely um... – and I tell you, long term, you have to be really concerned about the life expectancy of coaches, whether you're a head coach or an assistant coach in the college game. Go look at the NFL game and the – I don't want to say balance in life because coaching coaching football, whether it's professional level or it's college level, is pretty intense. Right. But I would tell you those guys in the pros have a lot more balance of life than, than these college coaches do. One, they're not flying all over the country recruiting. Uh, they're not they're not worried about the dollars and cents because they let the general managers take care of a lot of that um, and, and all the negotiations and bargaining agreements and those kinds of things. Um, I think we have if there ever was a point where we've said we've made college football as difficult as we possibly can on the coaches. <laughs> right. We're there. We're yeah. there. I don't I don't know how someone can sustain themselves for a 20 year period. Um career uh at this level of intensity and this level of demand How about uh, it i mean we you were exactly right think about the fact that right now an nfl assistant coaching job is infinitely easier than a college assistant coaching job how ridiculous is that you know and those nfl guys you know even the assistants are going to earn double triple what some of these normal uh, college assistants are going to earn right sure. but, sure. but 
I, I, you're right, Brandon. I mean, if, if that's sad that the allure of the NFL is because it might be just easier. They get to do nothing but football. I remember when Steve Spurrier left for for uh, uh, for DC, and he said, "Hey, I just want to do football." Yeah, I mean, think about all of the responsibilities outside of of the field right. that the college coaches have. You got to um, talk to boosters and be nice. You do. Right. Yeah. I mean, your 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 donor relationships, your your PR. Um, you got Brandon Parks coming to your office saying, "I got a sponsor coming in tomorrow. I want you to be nice to him." Right, and you know that that's probably why we talk about the the head coach position in college is as much a CEO responsibility as it is a head football coach responsibility. Right, um, right. And it is. And it's, and what if we start losing these guys? I mean, what if what if you know what if you're really sharp 40 to 50 year old guys are just going to the pros and just saying, I've had it. I just, and NIL and the portal has just worn them out. They're done. They're done. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But anyway, so back to the bowl situation. I, I, I mean, find a hole, Brandon, tell me why that doesn't work. Tell me why sponsors wouldn't like it. Tell me why the bowls wouldn't want to go there. I mean, because they've got, they've got to realize too, just as you said, if you're the New Mexico bowl and you don't have a team from New Mexico and you got 10,000 people there, they're not selling hotel rooms. They're not selling tickets and they're damn sure having a tough time paying the teams. So, right. I, so what's driving that? It's the TV revenue. Mm-hmm. It's, and, it's it's the, the and, if the TV, and if the TV is stale too, because even the own fans don't care. I mean, Tennessee's Tennessee fans are going to watch whatever Tennessee plays, but maybe they don't. Maybe they say, you know what? I realize what's happening. My quarterback's not going to play. I got three offensive linemen out. We're going to get smoked because we're a senior team and all these guys aren't going to get hurt for this game. And then all of a sudden the TV ratings go down. Is that the answer? Is that the only reason this changes? Is that TV well, ratings drop? The, the one fascinating case study that could be done is, is take the top, 10, 15 bowl games, let's look at their TV viewership numbers and let's look at their attendance numbers. And let's go back and look at the top 10 or 15 opening game um, uh, games played in, in around Labor Day week zero time period and do some comparison and some comps to it. You know, because we we do have some of those neutral site matchups. They're not as many, uh, but you do see the Chick-fil-A bowls of the world doing these kickoff games. Um yeah. So it'd be pretty fascinating to see to see how that lines up. I just keep going back to if you're if you're if you're in a SEC or Big Ten and you're looking at what your conference schedule is going to look like and how difficult of a road the conference schedule is, getting coaches to agree to layer in another very difficult game that you that as you have pointed out would mean more at the beginning of the season than it does at the end of the season, could you get buy-in to, to take on another challenging, challenging game? I think the only, the, the other thing that's in that favor is that college football, and I guess precedent has been thrown out this year as we kind of beat to death, but a loss early is not the same as a loss late. Right. It is. But, but if you, if, okay, let's, let's assume you're in the big 10 and you know, you've got to go play a Rose bowl and you come out of that Rose Bowl and you've lost that game, if you felt like to get into that 12-team playoff, you got one mulligan during the regular season and you're layering in a, a bowl game that's out of conference, it's a risk. It it's is. a risk. I get it. You but have if the whole world's doing it, I mean, 20, 28 good teams are going to lose on opening weekend then. <laughs> right? True. But but outside of what, – what, how many marquee matchups do we get right now in the opening weekend? Four to six maybe? Yeah, you're right. Um, and then and then everyone else is 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 playing the warm up game. Correct. 
um, and, and getting their season off to a good, hopefully a good start. Um, so again, another, another level of intensification. If you go that route, we, yeah. we've made it just a little bit more harder, a little bit more harder at some point there, there's going to be a tipping point and there's going to be, there are going to be several of these things that we've talked about today that are going to be addressed. You know, I, I think, do they streamline the portal conversation at some point? Have to. You know, cause the, Portal's open right now. We're going to open it again after spring practice. So you're going to have movement. What does that look like futuristically long-term? Yep. Um, and, and, and by the way, there's a whole, there's probably a whole podcast that we could talk about the portal itself and the number of student athletes that are in the portal. And then how many of those actually find a home that's better or perceived better than what they were at or where they were at. And then how many of those guys don't find a home? That's right. Almost. And they're, they're begging their way back in, hopefully to where they were, or they have no options. And they've lost their scholarship. They're not, they're, um, they're now out of college. Exactly. And, and, and so, okay. So you take the portal and then you layer in NIL for that 19 year old, it's business. That's, 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 that's real life business. And it couldn't, it may not go your way. That's right. Very good chance. Well, anyway, we, we, uh, we've ranted, we've, we've given a solution. And we've really said nothing in 30 minutes. Another incredibly amazing Knox talk by Brandon and I as we wrap up the holidays, we wrap up 23. Brandon's got one more thing to say. It was therapeutic for you, Paul. So I hope you feel better. <laughs> I don't feel any. I'm going to be mad all the way through 24. It's not going to make me feel any better for a long time until uh, until we uh, we get a number one seed in the playoffs. But I'd have to, I guess we'd have to be undefeated and play in the SEC or Big Ten. So Big Ten, here we come. Boys, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for an amazing night 2023. Uh, this is the end of season five. We're going to start season six in a couple months. We appreciate you all. Brandon's going to have a wonderful holiday with his family. I will the same. And thank you for everyone listening to Knox Talk. Have a great holiday, folks. Goodbye.